same feedback, yeah. And we may have an accompanying sort of marime komot, a source sheet, so that people can be, you know, pre properly prepared for the Chabura. Um, that's pretty much it from us, from the admin team. Bechavod, um, Rav Kada. Thank you very much, Avi. Azakobaruch, everyone. Um, it's always my pleasure to be here on the Safadi Chabura and to share with you some words of Torah and tonight's topic. So we've had, this is my third year here. Last time, if you remember, we talked about Sukkot. We talked about the differences in um, the different approaches to the Harachot of Sukkot. Um, and the time before that, we talked about Bechira and Yidiyah, free will and knowledge. Tonight, we're talking from Halachic perspective, how important are denominations? And when we talk about denominations, we mean um, conservative and reform. So what do they have any legitimacy at all? Um, what's been the approach of our Chachamim to these questions concerning orthodox, uh, concerning the relationship of orthodoxy to conservative and reform? Um, and how do we go about this? Now, obviously, these are all very modern day lot because uh, you know the whole concept of reform is only about 200 years old. And conservative even less and it's it's only in recent times when there's been more for an interaction between the two and there's been some serious questions halakhically with regards to what to do with our relationship with them so these are very modern day shaylot but much more than that and this is the real difficulty is that for reasons which maybe we'll discuss at the end we sefaradim have never really had today things are starting to become a bit different but historically, we've never really had this concept of reform and conservative. Um, we've always had you know, people who are more religious and less religious, more Shomer Torah Mitzvot and less Shomer Torah Mitzvot. We've never really put people in boxes, um, you know, uh, is he this or is he that? Because we've always focused more on uh, practice rather than ideology. So to find in our Chachamim Teshuvot on these questions are extremely difficult. Um, and in fact, Hamavadya, or the questions which we're going to discuss tonight, Hamavadya doesn't discuss them anywhere. There's only one place where you'll see at the end where it comes up um, and his opinion was slightly different to Ramosha Feinstein. So what I want to do is go through in Ramosha Feinstein's thought um, how for him, how important a name and a denomination were for him. And we're going to see some really remarkable chidushim uh, from Moshe Feinstein, which some questioned later on. But let's start. Now, Moshe Feinstein in nine places, I don't know if we'll have time to go through all of them, but in nine places, Moshe Feinstein discusses um, the legitimacy of important ceremonies that performed by non-Orthodox clergy. So marriage, divorce, conversion. He discussed all of these in nine different places. I'm not going to go through all the nine in depth, but there's one which really shows you how, for Moshe, denominations were extremely important in his eyes. So let's start right from the beginning. <clears throat> we know that so Jewish wedding, let's start with the uh, case of a wedding. We know with the wedding, there are two parts. There's the Kiddushin and the Nisuin. Traditionally, these were done over a long period of time. But um, in the olden days, what happened is, is you would do the Kiddushin and you would give her the ring. And then later on, you would do the Nisuin. Now, at the Kiddushin stage, you're already betrothed. Right? And she would need to get, once you do Kiddushin, you give the ring in the presence of two witnesses. You say that formula in the presence of two witnesses. That's all you need. You don't need a rabbi to, for Kiddushin to be effective. All you need is a man, a woman, and two witnesses. Um, and that's a, that's a valid Kiddushin. And now the woman needs a get in order to remarry someone else. Now, how do you do the Kiddushin? You do it one of three ways. Kesef, Shtar, Ubiyah. And the traditional way, which has become the accepted practice, you do it through giving money. Anything of monetary value you give to a woman, 
um, you give her a 10 pound note, that would be absolutely fine. Uh, and if you were to give her the 10 pound note in the presence of two witnesses and say, that would work. Now, there's a, a quite a, I mean, heard from the Ramah's time that you would give a ring to the Kala. As opposed to using money, you give a ring. That's generally what we do today. The Hatanets, you know, I think universal today, that what happens is, is the Hatan gives a ring to the Kala and say, says, what does the Kala do during this Kiddushin process? Right? The bride's role in this part of the ceremony is basically silence and acceptance. She just stretches a finger. Obviously, she has to consent. Yeah, if she doesn't consent, then uh, if you un she under duress, she stretches a finger out, then obviously it's not going to work. If she, if it was clear, if she made it clear that this is under duress, but uh, assuming that there's consent, there's nothing is needed for her to say. She has to stretch her finger out, and that's absolutely fine. Um, and that's how the kiddushin takes effect. Now, with the spirit of uh, egalitarianism on the rise. Um, already in the times of Moshe Feinstein, um, people started to ask whether, you know, let's make things equal. If the Khatan can give a ring to the Kala, and he says to Hariat Mikudeshetli, then surely it would be the egalitarian thing to do is for her then to give a ring back to him, and for her to say to him, Hariat Mikudashli, sorry, Hariat Mikudashli Betabadzo, you are also betrothed to me according to the laws of Moshe and Israel. Right, that's that's egalitarianism. Yeah, things have to be equal. And Ramashe was the first person to discuss this in a teshuva in 1970. This was in 1970. He discussed this. Um, this is his teshuva. In um, this, this is his teshuva in Evan Ezer Chelag Gimel Siman Yudchetz Evan Ezer 318. So the first thing we need to know is what well, we're told very clearly. Have a look at the screen. We're told, "Amar la hareni ishech, hareni baalech, hareni arusech, inoklum." If a man says to the woman, "I am your husband, I am your betrothed," it's nothing. It, it's a, uh, it's, it's ineffective. The kiddushin. Because the Torah says that you take her unto you, the man takes the woman unto him, as opposed to the him taking himself unto her. When you say, behold, I am your betrothed, I am your, hus I am your husband, then you're taking yourself unto her, as opposed to taking her unto you, and therefore that's an ineffective kiddushin, because the Torah says, Ki kah ish isha, kah not that you take yourself to her. So far, so clear. And and you know, we're not going to go into this in, in, into this now, but this is the Torah understands that there's a big difference between males and females, as Rabbi Tats has explained in various places. The zakhar, the male, represents potential, the burst of energy. Um, it's the woman who is it's the feminine which changes visions into reality. The greatest example of this is the birth of a child, where it's the spark of energy of a man, which is then taken by a woman over nine months and formed into a human being, into a child. Um, which is why we say, for example, Shema beni musaravicha alti tosh torati mecha. Listen to the musar of your father. Don't forsake the Torah of your mother. And everyone asks, what does this mean? Don't forsake the Torah of your mother. Who teaches you Torah? Your father teaches you Torah. The father's commanded. The father is commanded to teach the, the child Torah, not, not, the, not the mother. Um, and they explain. Because, yes, it's the father who intellectually studies Torah, who teaches the Torah from an uh, intellectual perspective. But ultimately, it's the mother who takes the Torah and brings it down into a tangible um, manifestation in the home. And it's the Torah Mecha. What you see at home is the Torah for your mother. It's the Torah. The mother takes that Torah study of the husband, the abstract part of Torah, and puts it into practice. That's that's the essence of how Torah uh, appreciates um, how Torah appreciates the difference between men and women. The man is laying out the vision, and it's the woman who goes and takes it. And the same is in the Kiddushin as well. It's the man who has to lay out that vision. It's the man who has to take the Kiddushin 
He has to, he has to begin the Kiddushim, begin that process of marriage, and then it's the woman who then goes and cultivates that marriage. She'll be the one reminding the husband about the 10th anniversary. She'll be the one reminding the husband about you need to go out for a date night. She'll be the one, you know, it's her who normally cultivates the marriage as opposed to the, this isn't always the case. Obviously, there's always exceptions. But that's generally the case. So, the man has to take the woman and not vice versa. Now, what we just saw in the Shohan Aruch was when he says to her, I will be your husband. So he takes himself to her. What about where he gives her and says nothing? And she then says, I will be married to you. Okay, so she says, I will be married to you. So there the halakha is, and that's a good expression, that works. But because we don't know what he intended when he gave her the ring, was he giving her the ring as just uh, a present? Was he giving it to her? In what, in what, for what effect was he giving her the ring? Because we don't know, she's safek mikudeshet. It's a doubtful betrothal. But the actual fact that she spoke to him is fine. And that's effective. That works. If she says to him, I will be your husband, and, and it's clear that he agrees to that, he nods his head, for example, um, or there's other circumstantial evidence which shows you that when he was giving over the ring to her, he was giving it to her, but Torah Kiddushin, that's absolutely fine. So there's no defect in her speaking and in her saying that I want to bring myself over to you. That's not the end of the world. The problem is if he takes himself over to her. However, what we're discussing, and this was the question when Feinstein was asked, was not when she says to him, I am betrothed to you, but rather when she says to the Hatan, you are betrothed to me. That's the problem. Because then she's not taking herself unto him, but rather she's taking him to her. So Ramosha Feinstein was asked, if the Hatan gives the ring to the Kala, and he says to her the correct formula, and then she takes the ring, accepts the ring, and then she responds, and she says, as soon as she receives the ring, she says back to him, the presence of two witnesses, um, Behold, you are betrothed to me, and I'm taking you as a, as a husband. Is that an effective kiddushin or not? What would you say? Any suggestions from the, from the floor? Is that an effective kiddushin or not? Why, why would it make a difference? He's, he's, said, he's said what he has to say. This is just like a new thing, you know? I'll answer it. Obviously, anyone has any different opinion to that, Tamod? I think it's pretty straightforward what you're saying more than I think every Bardat would agree to that. And that's exactly what Joshua Feinstein writes. Um, let me share the screen. He gave her the ring. He said the correct formula, exactly like he said, Lord. Look at these words now. I'm going to come back to them. What she said afterwards, it's, 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 no, you know, it's absolutely ineffective. There's no point to it. It's rubbish. So he gives her the ring. She's Mikudeshet. She then goes and gives something to him. Okay, that's worthless. From the perspective of Halakha, that's worthless. Nonetheless, he says, you're not allowed to do this. He says two reasons. One reason he says is because of Hokota Goy. That's not so convincing that. But then the second reason he says is because, and this is his main reason, is that this is going to cause people to forget what Kiddushin is. They're going to think that Kiddushin is, is when either of the couple give each other a ring and then in 50, 100 years time, that's Hamin Hagavolt, right? The Russia is a very strong point here. That's Hamin Hagavolt. In 200 years time, people will be saying, you know, my great-grandparents, she gave, the, my, my grandmother gave the ring to the, my great-grandfather, great so why can't I just give the ring to my husband? It's going to cause the Kiddushin to be forgotten, and therefore it's a sword to do this. But the effect of the Kiddushin is, once you've done it, that it's absolutely fine. What she does afterwards is there's no validity to it. Okay, good, that makes sense. But here we come to the major, the major chidush, the major novel point of Ramosheh, which shows you how, in his eyes, how important denominations were. He was asked exactly the same question later on 
where this happened, but this happened under the auspices of a reform rabbi. So exactly the same story. He gave her the ring, she gave the ring back to him and said the same formula, and this happened in the presence of a reform rabbi. Now, there's going to be some problems in a reform wedding, and that's going to be that normally the witnesses won't be kasher. Because in order for a witness to be kasher, he has to be shomer Torah mitzvot. At the very least, he can't have uh, a dut against him that he is uh, he transgresses Shabbat or something like that. Be a valid witness. So that's going to be one problem. But let's assume that wasn't the case. Let's assume this wedding is taking place in a reform temple with the reform rabbi. Everyone there is reform. And there happens to be the two witnesses are two orthodox people. This happened to be two halachic orthodox edim, and that's and they did this thing. They he gave her the ring, she gave him the ring. What is then the status of the kiddushin? Any suggestions? Maud, you, you, yeah, what, what's what's the difference now? Exactly. I'm going to assume that there is an issue because why? it's reform, which is why his we've got a so separate what? question. But there's uh, a man, you got a woman, you got two, you got two uh, orthodox witnesses. So it's why they're doing it. It's where's it coming from? What do you mean? Where's it coming from? In, in the case of the first issue, in the case of the first case, it was an orthodox thing. They're doing it because you know, it's, you know, modern, yeah. But now they might be doing it because they believe they actually believe that things have changed. In, in kind of like there's been a paradigm shift and in the whole... But even if they believe that, but surely he's given her the ring and said, what well, she does afterwards, as soon as he gives her, remember, he's giving her the ring. And as soon as he gives her yeah, the you're ring... Yeah, you're right, you're right. On the surface, on the surface, I agree. You know, wh why should it be different? You said before that, that you don't need a rabbi. You don't need a rabbi, no, you don't. So from an Orthodox point of view, you don't have a rabbi, but you have two witnesses. Exactly. What's the problem? You've done the Kiddushin, it's been done, and that's it. Okay. What about the Kedat Moshe Aaron? Okay, so Kedat, maybe there's a problem in that. Without saying that, it's fine. There's extra words. You don't need to say that. Haram B'Kudeshit is fine. There's a Mahlokit, if you just say Haram B'Kudeshit, Ali, Yadayim Mochichot, Yadayim Shainan Mochichot, in Kiddushin, right? But just to say that, it's fine. Um... Uh, you don't have to take it down to Shevi Israel. Says Ramoshe, and have a look at the screen, he says, no. It's not Kiddushin. Not only is it not Kiddushin, it's not even Kiddushin Nechumra. Meaning, sometimes when you have a doubt about Halakha, you'll say um, that we're not sure, okay, so we'll give a get Lechumra. Here he says, it's not Kiddushin. You don't need a get at all. Why? Let's see this remarkable Teshuvah inside. Uh, this is in 325. The Kedusha Reformer. He says, The Afshen Otena Tabat, Harigam Hino Tenet Otabat, the exchanging ring, Umochiach Netinata, Netinata, Her giving of the ring, back, a new ring to him, that proves Shurak Matana Baalma Shanasu Ishvisha, Aval Asiata Kedushin Haya Beloklum Avdevarim Ulayena. Well, he says there is something amazing. He says, because it's in a, under reform auspices. And it's under an orthodox rabbi. What's happening is, is that because she's, she's giving him a ring back, then what that means is, is that this isn't really a ma'aseki dushin. What's happening here is, it's just an exchange of rings. And they're giving gifts to one another. And he says, first he says, you know, first he says, but just one sentence. He says, probably there aren't kosher witnesses. But that's not his main point. You see clearly that's not his main point. Because he goes on for the rest of the Teshuvah to talk about the fact that they're reform. Because they are reform, that means that they're doing it just out of exchanging gifts. But then he asks the question. He says, look, when this civil marriage, civil marriage of Henkin, Ramosh's contemporary, held, if a couple live together for a few years and they get civilly divorced, they need a get as well. Ramosha disagreed with this. 
Ramosha held that Lechatchila we should be concerned for the opinion of Rav Henkin, and that's what all Batei Dinim do today, by the way, is that when a couple gets civilly divorced, we try to get a get. If for whatever reason we can't, the husband doesn't want to give the get, then we'll allow them to get remarried out of the get. But definitely in the first instance, Ramosha himself held that you have to be, try to get a get. Because civil divorce, they've lived together, perhaps the Bi'ah creates the Kiddushin, we won't go into the whole, the whole there, but that's what. So Ramosha was asked, I don't understand. Why should this be worse than a civil marriage? Yeah, because even if you want to say the Kiddushin was nothing, but they went home and lived together for five years. So surely now they should need to get. So the Russian, no, no, this is unbelievable. Because it was a reform marriage, she doesn't even need to get the Khumra as a stringency. This is even worse than a civil marriage. Why? Let's see. This is even worse than a civil marriage. Why? Because the reformer, when you have a civil marriage, then, okay, I'm not religious. I got civilly married. I know there's such a concept as a Jewish marriage. I'm not going to go for that. Okay. I'm just going to do a civil marriage, but you know there's a concept of Kiddushay Israel, and therefore you can say that perhaps when they had relations together, he was having it for the purpose of acquiring her as a wife, and therefore you need to get as a Khumra as a stringency. But with reform weddings, he says, when you're going there, with the Hatan and going there, they're going to exchange gifts, and they think this is the religious ceremony. So it's it's amazing what Moshe is doing here. He's like he's, he's taking it in both in both. In both ways. On the one hand, he's saying that they're going there not as a religious ceremony. They're going there as just exchange of gifts. Matanot be'alma. If that's the case, then the, the relations afterwards, that should make them married. They should need to get. No. Because afterwards, all the relationships which they have, it's al-dat, the previous kiddushin, which was under the chuppah, which was a waste of time, which was absolutely nothing. You get that? He's like using it both ways. No need to be stringent. Actually, if she's already had a child from the second marriage, you shouldn't be stringent. You should not give a get because that would be a... Uh, that would be a... Okay, so Sina asks, what about the principle of Wow, Sina, it's nice terminology. I like that. So yeah, you're right, 100%. That's exactly what Moshe is saying. Of course, and therefore we assume we assume that it's going to be for Kiddushin. Yeah? Um, but but the, what Moshe is saying here is that that's when I didn't have any civil marriage, any, any uh, Torah marriage, any, any halachic marriage. I just got civilly married. And then you can say, ah, and therefore, probably yes, he wanted that bila, those relations to be a marriage, and therefore um, he needs a get. But here, what he's saying is with the reform wedding, they are having their relations later, al dat on, on the premise of their previous wedding. He's not gonna he's not gonna have in mind an Adam because Remy's already had a, a wedding. He doesn't need to do an Adam or because Remy already had a kosher wedding. When I never had a wedding, then you can say the relationship afterwards that's an Adam or And therefore, that's going to be, the, that's going to be the, the marriage. But when I've already had my marriage, why should I have my further relations to be an Adam or So this is unbelievable. Uh, for Ramosha, uh, Rav, yeah. well, why, why does Ramosha... Why does he assume that the that they're now shifting and saying they're only giving gifts? Why can't it be just like he is kone her now egalitarian? She is going to be kone him. Why is it just matanot balma? I mean, he makes it clear in the. I, I don't know if you highlighted it, but no, he he says that the, the they're reciprocal. They're, they're not. It's a It's the reciprocity. Going both where's, he get, where's he getting that from? Where's that coming from? Why, why do we not think that they've been explained by their... I mean, these reform, a lot of reform rabbis know their stuff. Why, why would they not have told them, you know? So no, if you, if you, in the, I don't know if you read it, but he said, the, he says, 
it's like a it's like a, a a non-jewish wedding where a man says do you take this person and do you take that, that person it's like the priest it's like when you go to the church and the priest asks you asks the home and asks her do you want to be married to one another the same thing happening before my eyes like a priest he's saying so exactly. as in, there's no kenyan but no, exactly there's no so, yeah right so so but uh, is that what of is basing it upon basically that's a motion on tomorrow it's his own yeah, yeah. proof for it. But why do we assume that? Well, who, what do you mean we? What, when you're saying we, what does we mean? Why does Rav Moshe assume that? Could he not, could we, we not see, can we not see that's, that the reform that's, that's go out and explain to them? That's the whole point of this year. This I'm showing you how important denominations are. For right, okay. Right, so this is what we're saying. Okay, fine. Say it. I mean, we're going to see this even clearer in a few other Teshuvah. For him, reform, and you have to understand, of course, I was going to come to this at the end. You have to understand the context. Again, we've said this so many times. Halakha has to be understood in its context. But Moshe was living in the middle of the 20th century. So there was such a huge fight between orthodoxy and non-orthodoxy movements. Right? And therefore, for Moshe, he fought orthodoxy, uh, he fought reform to the end. Yeah? And for him, he wanted to make sure that no one would even have a doubt that reform has any validity at all. Now, now, Hasbe Shalom, that I'm going to be implying that Moshe is coming to this one political stance. Hasbe Shalom. Because he's saying he don't give a get. Right? But I'm showing you how for Moshe, reform have absolutely nothing at all. If it was just political, Moshe was saying, they would say, give a get the Chumrah. Right? He would say, okay, it's Matanot Ba'amah, there's no ability, but just in case, give a get as a strategy. He doesn't say that. He says, don't, there's no El Malala there's no need to be Machmir at all. For him, he's certain, and this is the point, that this is like in a church. Him giving a, her giving him, it's just an exchange of gifts. It's not a kinyan in the sense I'm doing a maaseki dushin now. Rabbi, can I ask a question just to clarify something? Um, the argument's kind of built around the bride or the woman then saying, I betrothed you to me afterwards. Uh, and in that happening, and there being a reformed rabbi, it's not Reform context. Reform context. Yeah, reform context. It's it's not considered legitimate. But if the woman did not say that, would the argument still hold? If it was just that the the right. man. No, no, no. Then it would be then it would be absolutely fine. It would be fine. Even within a reform context, he would of say. That. It would. As I said, the rabbi is worthless. All you need is a man, a woman, and two witnesses. You don't need a rabbi for a wedding. So they had some ceremony. Yeah. He gave her the ring, and the, because she didn't give a ring back to him, then this is obviously a, a proper kiddushin. But it's the fact that she's giving the ring back within a reform context that invalidates it. That then is mochia, the mafreya, that then retroactively shows you that him giving her was just an exchange of gifts and not a maase kinyan, not an acquisition. Understood. Which is why, by the way, of Herschel Shachter is unhappy with this emotion. Because he says there's no concept of toch, the Gemara says there's no concept of dibur with Kiddushin, right? If you give Kiddushin and then toch dibur you attract, it's still Kiddushin, right? If you go to a woman in front of two witnesses, and you put the ring on her, and within three seconds you retract, it's still Kiddushin. The says of Herschel, I don't understand. I, I give her, the, I get, you know, had he, as you just said, Adam. Had he just given her the ring, that would have been fine. Okay, so later on, a few seconds later, she gives the ring back to him, and this retroactively then shows that's too late. And this, at the second he gave it to her, okay, now we're getting into a different question. I don't want to go down that line. That's what Marshall argued. He, again, he's not arguing with the Moshe from the reform problem. Yeah, he's agreeing to that. He's just saying there's another, there's another issue here of Tokhidibur, which is why I'm happy about it. The answer to Rabashal Shakhtar's Kasha is that in Kiddushin, there's a concept of that. There has to be dart. And if and even though there's no tokhide dibur, but if there's no dart, meaning that I can see later on from his action that there was no dart for kiddushin, and that's enough to invalidate the kiddushin. Okay. Um I'll, I'll come back to this discussion of Biatobiatnut later, um, because that's tangential, but I'll come back to these points. I want to, I want to continue with the, the main points. So that's so you see clearly how an emotion thought, wow, how important denominations are. Um when a reformed Jew does something, there's a presumption it didn't intend it to be for a lachic wedding. Okay? Now, have a look 
And I'm then imagine another Tishul Rabbi Moshe was asked whether a rabbi can, it was asked by conservative, um, and he basically said the same thing with conservative. And then he said, then he said, so Maud, have a look what he says here. That's very interesting. In conservative, he's not, he's equivocal about it. And we'll see this again consistently in the Moshe. With conservative, he's slightly more sympathetic. We'll see this in a number of Tushuwa. He's slightly more sympathetic. But you see, even though he says it's Sisafe Gadol, that's enough for him in the previous Tushuwa to say he don't need a guest, which is really remarkable. And then he continues and he says, if a rabbi is asked to do a wedding in such a conservative place and he's concerned he's going to lose his parasai, if he doesn't do so, he can, he could do the wedding. He should just say at the beginning of the wedding that, it's, that the Kiddushin is affected by him giving her and not vice versa. Um, so, um, so yeah. So that you see clearly in the context of weddings, you see how for Moshe, how important it was, the denomination. Fine. Let's move on now to a different context. Let's move on to the context of conversion now. And here, um, I don't know if I can share, share Otsar HaChokhmah. I've never done it. Here we are. Okay. Can you see Otsar HaChokhmah? Can everyone see the screen? Siman Kuf Samach in Moshe? Can you see that? No. You can't see it? Nothing yet. Well, uh, I don't think it allows me to share. What's I'm trying to share what Sarah Chokhmah. Maybe take a screenshot if you've got a snipping tool. And then screenshot on what? From my phone. If you have the snipping tool, you can take a screenshot using that and then you can share that. Just, just do a cut and paste into a Word document and then share the Word document or something like that. I'm still new to it. So, okay. I'll have to just read down then. Um, so, the Moshe was asked about. Um, conversion by a conservative rabbi. Okay? So, what validity uh, does that have? Um, is this in any way? And he was asked whether they could be buried in a Jewish cemetery, an Orthodox Jewish cemetery. So, he says, in this Teshua, this is Yoridea Kuf Samach, and he says here that, of course, for conversion to be valid, the conversion has to take place in the presence of three witnesses. Uh, sorry, three uh, three. Three people. Three it has to be Kabbalat Mitzvot, except that it's one in the presence of three people. These people don't have to be rabbis. They can even be lay people. Yeah. Even the Gemara says, In the first instance, it should be Tamidi Hachamim. Therefore, we will try to take rabbis. Um, but it doesn't have to be, it can even be in the presence of three lay people. But he says, the, the, also, the conservative rabbis, they probably didn't tell them about the Kabbalat Mitzvot. And he says, more than that, even if they did, that pasul, the conservative rabbis are pasul for a bedin because they're kofer, beharbei karehadat. They deny many of the fundamentals of our principle. And even though we don't know, so then he asks the question, this is a very important point. This is the crucial point of his teshuvah, is that even if a person is mehalel shabbat, for example, a person in mehalel shabbat, he is still kasher for a dut, he can still give testimony as long as we don't have, we haven't seen him doing so. So let's say we know this person drives to synagogue. You know, he lives very far and he still happens to come every single week to synagogue for Shabbat. That person is still, we wouldn't take him, but he's still kasher as, as an aide um, because he, he, we don't have a testimony that he's mechalel Shabbat. So he asks, okay, we haven't, no one's actually come forward with a dude that they heard this, these conservative rabbis spouting heresy. So therefore, it should still be that they are kasher to be the rabbis on the conversion. He says, listen to this line. This is the crucial line. Anan Sahadeh. There's a universal witness. She call me, Shem habazui conservative alav. Anyone who has this despicable name of conservative upon him, there's a hazaka, as a nan sahade. Nan sahade is a concept in Shas where even though we haven't seen something, but because it's so obvious, it's as if everyone has testified to it. And anyone he says who's got the name of conservative on him, that's going to be definitely he's a kofer 
ולכן פשוט שאין הגירות שעשה הרבי, כלום. The conversion is done as absolutely nothing, and it's worthless, and you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't allow it to be buried in the Jewish cemetery. If this is going to be, uh, cause problems, then at least make sure they're buried not near to Orthodox people, he says later on. So for him, he's saying something remarkable. The name conservative, and it's even conservative, although well, more so reformed. The name conservative is enough to say uh, there's, there's a non-Sahadi, there's a universal testimony here. This person's a kofer, he's a heretic, and therefore his conversion is invalid. There's absolutely no validity at all. Now, this is the important point. And later Poskim relied on a few inconsistencies in Omosha to be more sympathetic to conservative. Now, I, I question what, look, I, I'm sure everyone here is uh, familiar with the difference between reform and conservative. Um, conservative historically are very different to the conservative today, right? You have to, especially in America. Conservative in America, it's well known that there were Orthodox rabbis who led conservative temples. Um, there were even Orthodox rabbis who learned in conservative seminaries. Um, the, I'm sure some of you have heard of Saul Lieberman, right? Yeah, everyone's heard of, yeah, have you heard of Saul Lieberman? Have I Saul Lieberman? Yeah. He, he was the, he taught in the conservative seminary. There was a big discussion in a while exactly who, who was he? He was, was he Orthodox? Was he, uh, I recommend the Mark Shapiro's book on this, Saul Lieberman and the Orthodox, excellent book, where he goes through all the different rabbis and their opinions through, through Saul Lieberman and how the majority of rabbis actually accept him as a conservative, as, as, a, as an Orthodox rabbi, um, despite him teaching in the, in the conservative seminary. Um, but conservative was very different to what it is today. Today, conservatives basically, we can basically lump conservatives together with the Reform Day, and that, there's very little observance of mitzvah. In the, in, you know, historically, 50 years ago, conservatives, many conservative people would be Shomer Kashrut properly, would keep Shabbat properly, they would drive to Shul on Shabbat, but just to drive to Shul. But in all other senses, they would keep Shabbat properly. That was conservative in those days. Um, so it's questionable whether those who want to say that there's a distinction between conservative and reform today still, still is true. But in Ramosha's thought, at least, conservative, we've just seen, was for him nothing. But then we come to a different question. This is in... Let me give you the Amare Makom. This is in Evan Ezer, Chelek Aleph, and Kuflamet Gimel, Kuflamet Hey, 135. So, Evan Ezer, 135. There he was asked about a conservative rabbi who signed on a get. Is the get a kasher get or not? Can she remarry? And the husband's gone, the husband doesn't want to give another get. So can she remarry or not? And then he says again the same the same thing. Um, and yeah, so Sina, you've just proven my point. Very good, thank you. And this is a really important point which I which I want to touch on at the end. Um, so Moshe again reiterates. He says, "Gamba pikorsim, it's mochzak v'yaduar. It's mochzak that the conservative pikorsim." And then he says, "Listen to this." seminar conservative, them rabbis, they were taking such a land, they're the ministers. Perhaps they are a muhzak to be a kofer because they went to their seminaries. There's a, there's a, a contrasting uh, to say. He says the conservatives pay more. Reform and conservative temples pay more. Okay? I, wonder if this, I think this is still true, by the way. Um, but uh, uh, since they pay more, so, you know, he's going for Parnassar reasons. He doesn't really believe it. Perhaps this is as far as to say that despite him being a rabbi of a conservative synagogue, then... Um, uh, it, it doesn't invalidate the get, and he says it's a safek if this rabbi is pasul idut. So here already, now in the end, he, he allows it to marry, remarry for a different reason, because there was a sofer there as well, together with the other aid, and that was enough to make two, 
the whole problem is Mizuyat Mitocha. Okay, he allowed it in the end. But here you already start to see some sympathy towards some conservative rabbis. And to say they're conservative, okay, some of them, they're just going there to get the money, but they're not really, um, they're not really um, conservative in their ideology. Now, now, I saw a very strong argument against this idea that they only went there to get money. And that's, you know, one of the basic principles of Hilchotei Dut is that person has to be an honest person. Yeah? When it comes to Gezela, even something small of theft is enough to make a person Fasul Dut. Even though in other things, it has to be Doraita and has to be in the presence of witnesses, etc. When it comes to accusations of theft and anything got to do with money, when it comes to witnesses, then we're very stringent. We're very strict when it comes to theft. It's really funny for me how, you know, okay, uh, he went to the conservative uh, minister uh, synagogue to become rabbi to get more money, uh, and therefore he's not his 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 ideology isn't treif, he's still kasher, but we'll still trust him that he'll give kasher a dude. But maybe he's getting paid for that kasher. If he's tempted by money to take a a ministry by conservative by reform, then why won't he be tempted also to give false testimony? I find very interesting um, against Moshe, but. That's what he says. But there he slowly starts to show some sympathy for conservatives. Um, the problem is, and he contradicts himself in Evan Ezer, Helek Bet, Teshuvah Yudzai 217, where there he writes very clearly, and I'll read out to you just three lines. And there he's talking about Kiddushin through a conservative rabbi. He says, Ulinyan ima kidushin tofsin, harabai atzmo pashut she pasu leidut. Ve'en chiluk. Ima ya mitchila rav conservative shelamad besemina shelahem, o shaya rav musmach shikibel misra betebela conservative. Even if he didn't learn the conservative, but he went to become a minister in a conservative temple, that in itself is enough to make him in, to make the kidushin invalid, um, and it won't be good enough. So here, this seems to be contradicting. This has been pointed out by the poskim, but this seems to contradict what he said earlier on. And there may be room to be lenient with the conservative rabbi because perhaps he only took the perhaps only took the um, position for monetary purposes. Um, again, and I think this will be the last teshuvah I'll bring forward. There's many more from Moshe on this, but this is the last one I'll bring. This is in Eben Ezer Chela Gimel Siman Gimel. There he talks about the conversion of a reform rabbi. And again, I'm just going to read out to you one sentence. But again, he says this this name business, where he says, "Hashem Reform Me'itchen Kofrin." The fact that you have this title, Rabbi of the Reform Synagogue, that in itself makes you pasul, regardless if you're Shomer Torah Mitzvot. If you have that title, you now become. A, a, a pasule idut, you become invalid for testimony. Um, so again, you see this principle. Have for him, it's the name, it's the title which makes in that reform. There's no, there's no room to be lenient at all. Reform, it's clear that they're going to be, they're going to be um, uh, pasul, and there's a chazakah, there's a kofer. Now, again, you see some slight uh, um, sympathy to conservative when he was asked to Moshe about conservatives using an orthodox mikvah for their conversions. So what do you say about that? You have an orth in America, you have an orthodox uh, mikvah run by an orthodox synagogue, and a, conver a, com a conversion of a conservative who wants to come and use the, use the mikvah to, to, uh, to convert the, the candidate. So he says, if it's owned by the Orthodox only, then they should they shouldn't allow it because of a number of reasons. If there, perhaps it's a stumbling block. Um, but then he says, if it, however, it's owned jointly by both, if, if the, the conservative paid towards the construction of the mikra and therefore they have a share in it, that you can't say no to them. You have to allow them to use the mikra. And then he says, I, what about the problem of Lifnei um, Ever? He says, um, he says, uh, there's no Lifnei Ever because there are other mikvah. They can use another mikvah. That's a big, big, uh, that's a big chiddush there, by the way. There's a big machloket. Lifnei Ever means you can't put a stumbling block in front of someone. You can't go someone to sin. And here he's saying 
that it's not a problem of Lifnei Ever because anyway, they could go and use a different mikvah. And the halakha is that when you can use it in a different, when you can anyway get to that sin by yourself, you don't need you, then it's not a problem for you to help. Sometimes, I'm not going to go into all details, but here he's saying a big chidush that even though you're going to have to rely on another Jew doing the Isul, still we don't see Lifnei Ever. That's a very interesting point now, which is very debatable. And he also says that, um, uh, he also says something funny, he says that actually, uh, if you say no to them, they may end up building their own mikvah. And this will then cause orthodox women to go and use their mikvah mistakenly, and that's going to be a problem, their mikvah is not going to be kasher, they're not going to look after the halachot properly. So he says, now he, now he doesn't rely on that by itself, meaning... If the Orthodox have the ability, they are in control of the of the of the mikvah, then they can say no. They can say that, uh, that this is our mikvah. We only allow uh, women to go to. We only allow women to Jewish women to use the mikvah, and anyone else wants to use the mikvah, we don't allow unless it's someone who contributed towards the building. Right? That that makes sense. But if and then we don't say his farot. But if it's uh, jointly owned, then he says you have to allow them, and he gets around the other problems. So. In this sense, he was slightly sympathetic to the to the conservatives. Now, as as I as I showed you, there are inconsistencies. What's clear is, is with regards to reform. Let's summarize what we've seen so far. With regards to reform, we saw this remarkable teshuvah in Moshe with regards to this handing over of the rings. Now, the context of the reform rabbi and the reform con and the reform ceremony um, shows that the couple have no intention for, for marriage and therefore no get is needed. And when it comes to conversions by reform rabbis, there's absolutely no validity to it at all because the name reform makes you taref and therefore you cannot uh, give any legitimacy to it. With conservative, we see and he's slightly contradictory. Um, in the most of the places, he says conservative is nothing at all but in other places, he shows some sympathy to conservatives. And there's a very interesting teshuva, which was written by Harav Israel Meir Yonah, one of the Dayanim on the Beddin in Yerushalayim. Um, this was in the lifetime of Chaim Vadia. And he wrote a teshuva, which I'm happy to share with the Chabur if you're interested, which Rabbi Vadia signed at the bottom and said, I've gone through this, and I agree to everything he said, and I allow this woman to marry. What happened in this case is as follows. A woman converted through conservative. Through conservative, the woman, uh, um, again, through reform has no validity. Uh, the woman con uh, converted through conservative. Uh, and she had a child. Um, and then later on, she became more religious. She became orthodox. And they told her, look, you know, your conversion, some people may cause problems with it. Uh, go go do another Giru Lechumra, do another conversion as a stringency. And she went and she did a conversion with her daughter. Okay, great. The daughters, they're now both fully Jewish. Daughter gets older and she starts to date. And guess what? She falls in love with a Kohen. So a Gioret can't marry a Kohen. So the problem here is like this. If we say the first conversion of the conservative was a valid conversion for the mother, then she was a Jew. She then had her baby. That baby's a regular Jew. That's Kirin Shohan Aruch, a Giyoret, who has a, as long as the Giyoret marries another Jew, not a Giyoret who marries a Ger, the child's a Surtu Kohen. But a Giyoret who marries a Israel, then that child is now Kasher and can now go and marry a Kohen. So if the mother's conversion was a valid conversion, excellent. She was a Jewish when she gave birth and the girl is Jewish and she can marry a Kohen. If, however, the conservative conversion wasn't a, wasn't a conversion, and then the, well, when she became Jewish was when she went to the mikvah later that, with her daughter, that means the daughter's a Giyar, the daughter can marry the Kohen. Anyway, long teshuvah. And his conclusion is um, that it depends on, and I think this, is, this makes a lot of sense, it depends on the the well, well, let me say, he is actually, he says that we can, he points out these inconsistencies in the Moshe's Teshuvah, and he basically says that because what they found out about him 
is that the rabbis at the time who did the, who did the conversion um, were Shomer Torah Mitzvot, it's enough to say that there was a conversion and therefore they allowed her to marry a Kohen. Um, and again, and as, as I said, they point out these inconsistencies in Moshe and they, they want to argue that even Moshe himself um, held that conservative sometimes, and they want to say the reason why Moshe contradicts himself is because it depends on the context and who the conservative rabbis are. Because as I said, conservative 50 years ago was a very broad, a very broad uh, you know, section. What exactly does conservative mean? There were some who were right-wing conservative who were almost orthodox um, and practiced halakha properly. And there were those who were left-wing conservative almost reform. And so basically what they're saying is it depends on when, when it comes to conservative conversions and conservative weddings and gitin, then it really depends. You have to do an investigation of who the conservative rabbis are in order to ascertain um, whether they were Shomer Torah Mitzvot. And in this case, they allowed the, they allowed the uh, woman to get married to the Kohen. There's another excellent issue, which is really worthwhile reading, which summarizes everything which we've been through, really, Shut Malaya Bazak of Eretz Chemda, which if you're interested, I'd be happy to share afterwards, which is a very similar case, which they also allowed at the end. Now, for me, I think, you know, these, are, these were questions dealt with 50 years ago, the question of Israel Mayo now was dealt with about 15 years ago. The recent one of Mareha Bazak was three years ago. But I really think that today, as, as Sina pointed out in the chat box, um, and we'll come back to all the other questions in the chat box later, is that, um, is that conservative today, at least in, in England, um, is, it's very difficult to argue that they are Shomer Torah Mitzvot enough to be for them to be a Kabbalat mitzvot for um, for a conversion or for a Kiddushin. So I doubt, I think, I, I doubt whether uh, today we could uh, rely on, on these types of things, even, even as a Safek. Um, so what we've seen in these Teshuvot, really, is how Ramosha, at least, uh, for him, how he, uh, how, how he, Related to the Orthodox and the uh, to the Conservative and the Reform um, in relation to conversions, divorce, and weddings. And as I said, it's very difficult to find Sephardi Tishuvot on this because you know we didn't really have these we didn't really have these issues. Um, we you know we don't have uh, 50 years ago we didn't have uh, Reform communities of Sephardim. Today things are starting to change very unfortunately, and this may be the influence of the Ashkenazim amongst uh, upon Sephardi Jewry because of the influence of Ashkenazi Jewry upon Sephardim, then we started to put people in boxes. We've always seen Jews as Jews. You're not so religious? Okay, not so religious. Okay, we'll still accept you. We'll try to, uh, you know, we'll try to help you become religious and all of that. But we don't, we don't like to put people and say, you know, he's Taref and he's this. But obviously there was a huge intellectual war in the last 200 years amongst Ashkenazim, which is why Ramosha was coming so strongly against them because of the, he knows the historical context in Germany and in America, how conservative reform, the trouble they were making. Um, now, on a, from a non-halachic perspective, from a non-halachic perspective, I just want to say two points and we'll end with this. And that's as follows. It's, it's, it's famous, Yosef um, Ber Soloveitchik. He said that there, there are two Brits there are two covenants that Jewish people have, the Jewish Amisal have. One he called the Brit Yud, Yud as in destiny, a covenant of where are we going? Another he said Brit Goral, is a covenant of fate, of what happens to us. And what he said is, is when it comes to the Brit Yud, when it comes to a covenant of destiny, um, where we are going as Am Israel, then he said, we cannot participate with the reform and the conservative because they have a different destiny to us. And therefore, we cannot unite with them when we're discussing things affecting the Jewish people, its future, and so on and so forth. But when he said it comes to covenant of faith, and um, when it comes to cooperation and matters facing the communal Am Israel about our response to non-Jewish people, our response to communal matters, then actually he said it's absolutely fine, and he encouraged, actually, uh, participation with other denominations, um, and he said this wouldn't give them legitimacy because in that sense, we're all one nation. 
in the sense of us having to protect ourselves from our enemies around us, in the fact, in the sense of, you know, our similar values, whether it's circumcision, let's say, in these types of things, our faith as Am Israel, these types of things would be permissible to be able to share uh, a platform with other denominations. Again, he's not granting legitimacy to them, but for certain types of things, it would be fine to collaborate with them. There was a beautiful address by Norman Lamb of Yeshiva University, which I'm sharing. Can you see the screen now? Is it working, share screen? Yep. Okay, good. Um, it's worthwhile reading it all. I'm just gonna, it wasn't highlighting here, just uh, worthwhile reading a couple of sentences here. Uh, here he is. Um, should non-Orthodox Shabbat want to know out of curiosity whether I as a centrist Orthodox Jew recognize, yeah, Norman Lamb was passionate about this concept um, of modern orthodoxy. And he famously once said, he said, modern orthodoxy isn't moderately passionate. Modern orthodoxy is passionately moderate. Okay, that was his uh, idea of a centrist Jew. Um, and he writes here, as a centrist orthodox Jew, Recognize, do, I do I recognize their credentials as rabbis? I'll tell you where I stand. My premise is that also Judaism is by very nature tied to the transcendent vision. So a being who's beyond us. That vision includes the revelation of Torah and Halakha, etc. The word of God, etc. Three categories to consider in the recognition of legitimation, delegitimation issues are functional validity, spiritual dignity, and Jewish or rabbinic legitimacy. Because Orthodox rabbis consider these movements not bound by Jewish Halakha, I consider this an error. And it's an error that they, that they don't give them any credibility at all. Facts cannot be wished away by theories, no matter how cherished. The facts are the reformed conservative communities are not only more numerous in their official membership in the Orthodox community than those days, but they are also vital, powerful, and dynamic. They are committed to Jewish survival, each according to its own light. They are part of Kalisra and they consider their rabbis their leaders. From a functional point of view, therefore, Non-Orthodox rabbis are valid leaders of Jewish religious communities. And it's both fatuous and self-defeating not to acknowledge that this openly and draw the necessary consequence, for example, establishing friendly and harmonious and respectful relationships and working together all of us towards those Jewish communal and global goals that we share. I have no trouble in acknowledging the functional validity of non-Orthodox rabbinic leadership, but also in granting that non-Orthodox rabbis and lay people may possess spiritual dignity. This is really interesting. If they are sincere, if they believe in God, if they are motivated by principle, not by convenience or trendiness, right? And they are religious people. Really amazing that he calls them religious people. In the sense, they're no different from Orthodox Jews who may attain such spiritual dignity if their faith is not, etc. But, and this is the crucial point, what we've seen over the last hour, neither, neither functional validity nor spiritual dignity are identical with Jewish legitimacy. Validity derives from the Latin validus, strong. It's a factual, descriptive term. Legitimacy derives from the Latin lex, law. It's a normative, an evaluative term, and so on and so forth. I think it's really excellent, this. What he's saying here is, is that just because what we've seen in the last hour, where we've seen the Teshuvot, and no one argues with the Moshe substantively with regards to reform or, or conversions or weddings or gitin. They may, may have problems with his other Swarot, but you know, even those who argue the motion with the Reading case, they're not arguing with the problem of reform. Everyone, all Orthodox leadership have said that what, what uh, non-Orthodox clergy do is worthless. We saw a doubt in conservatives, you know, but generally speaking, it's worthless. It doesn't mean that we have to totally um, neglect uh, and, 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 and put our heads in the sand, really. You know, that's what he's saying. He said, you know, that's what Rabbi Lam is saying. You can't ignore the reality. The reality is, is that these people have huge memberships, is that these people are um, promoting sometimes Torah goals, right? Um, light unto the nations, these types of things, which are important things. When it comes to these types of things, you can't deny the influence that they have. And therefore, in these types of things, it may not be a bad idea to grant them validity um, and respect in that sense. Legitimacy, absolutely not. We cannot grant them legitimacy. And we've seen in the last hour, they have no legitimacy in the slightest. But when it comes to global goals, communal goals, these types of things, like we saw in the Salavajic, and by Lamb, then there is room to say that perhaps 
communal participation could be could be authorized. Now, of course, there would be many who would argue with this. I'm on a group of federations, um, and a question which just yesterday was asked, Rabbi Zimmerman, was this person runs a charity, a charity, um, a charity business, charity business he, are, he runs. Um, and I'll end with this. He runs a charity business and a reform um, organization has asked the charity, that this uh, business, the person who owns the charity uh, business, whether he can run a charity for their organization. Would it be permissible for him to do so or not? And his response was, his exact response was that um, it might be permissible if it would be done anyway, interestingly. He said it shouldn't really do it, but it might be permissible if any way done. That's the idea we said before, that if something can be done anyway, then it may be permissible. So he's saying if, there's, if they'll find another charity, they'll be fine to do so. But, you know, these types of questions are really interesting questions and really difficult questions. You know, how do we deal in our relationship with other Jews? Is every time we, we allow them to combine with us, is that giving them legitimacy or not? These are the really tight questions which we have to think about with common sense and practicality. And yes, we cannot give them any legitimacy, halakha legitimacy, that's out of the question. They have no, absolutely no uh, power at all in that sense. But with regards to other forms of validity, that is questionable. And that's what we've seen tonight, that some would argue that it would be permissible to do so. So I hope you enjoyed that. I, as you to answer our question, how important are denominations? I think we've seen very clearly from a halakhic perspective, they're extremely important and uh, critical. Um, with regards to other things, it's not so clear cut. And there may be room to argue that when it comes to global projects, that we may be able to, denominations should be ignored and to work hand in hand with them. Okay, I'll go through. If you have any questions, feel free to unmute yourself. Rabbi Lam tried his best to reach out to other denominations to solve problems and give Shikidushin and work with them. And he was ambassador from the right. I go down. Yeah, Reb Shera. It's well known, Reb Shera and ambassador. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, yeah, in the Shiva world, Rabbi Lam was totally ruled out, unfortunately. Powerful form of Lam. He's not accepting them or their wrong approach, but at the same time, not ignoring reality. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, he's, you can't ignore the reality that they, these people have influence and, you know. And they're the majority in the US. In the majority, yeah, yeah. So you have to sometimes, you know, you have to, as I said, it's a very fine, fine line to balance and you have to make sure we tread with caution and we don't grant them legitimacy and it doesn't look like by, by doing things with them that we grant them legitimacy, but at the same time, can't deny the reality. In the Sephardi Teshuvah, all the principles of the time of the conservative, Edim or Kosher and Bumstead, they don't discuss them. They don't get to deny any detail at all. Um, and uh, it's not about, um, you know, they're just talking generally about Mukhzak Likfira. No one actually defines what that means, Mukhzak Likfira. All these Tishwata from Moshe and the Subhavadi Tishwata as well, no one actually defines what it actually means Mukhzak Likfira. They don't say when they research these, the, the, the rabbis or the Adim, they don't say what. No, means. it's funny they don't. They, the one he wrote, he's got interesting, she taught about Torah Mina Shamaim. That was one of the quotations. Yeah, they, they, then, they didn't go into the exact details of what they believe or not. It's clear that conservative reform are, are kofrim. I'm sorry, that, that's clear. They, they deny Torah Nashamayim, even conservative. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely, from the Ram's perspective, or Ibrahim Albo, 13 or 3, everyone believes in Torah Nashamayim, right? And even if you believe, like Louis Jacobs, which is a uh, uh, divinely inspired Torah Nashamayim, that's still kfirah. Right? Because it's not given to Moshe from Sinai. So that's definitely, that's not up for, for discussion. That's, that's irrelevant whether it's uh, a, uh, the Rambam or a Balbo. So I don't know how, how relevant that is. Um, Conservative going through an ex existential crisis. Rooms of, yeah, merger, Hanfor received permission from Hamatum Mawlan, Hansin. Teaching Conservative Semi back in the early days. Wow. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Yes, I remember that now. Yes, correct. Mark Shapiro brings that in the book. There was, and in fact, Mordechai Liao wrote about that, and he, I think he cashed him at the end, despite him teaching in the conservative assembly. Yeah, very good. He was allowed as was to teach some of the Kuntu Orthodox way. Even then, he wasn't a rabbi of the congregation, he was rather a teacher of President University. That's in Saul Liebman. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Good points. Yeah, Jack. 
encroaches on halachic realm in any way, whether associating them gives more some form of halachic approval. I think it's the latter. Um, you're right, there is a halachic dimension here, and that is by you helping them raise money, are they going to now go and use that money for uh, to promote things which are against Torah? But there is that is that there's, there's both elements there. There's both elements there. Okay. Um, Bilad, Bilad, Zinot, have you cleared up Bilad, Zinot? Have you understood that? Uh, I think Sina understood that. Okay. So if there's no further questions, I think we'll leave it here. It's been wonderful being with everyone this evening. I hope you've enjoyed it. And Bezad Hashem, look forward to seeing you uh, sometime soon again. Thank you, Raf. Thank you. Zakharuch. Zakharuch. Thank you, Matt.